Dedicated missionary service returns a dividend of eternal joy, which extends throughout mortality and into eternity. I want it absolutely clear that I declared to the world in the most straightforward language I could summon that the Book of Mormon is true. True disciples of Jesus Christ are willing to stand out, speak up, and be different. If you're not a full-time missionary with a missionary badge pinned on your coat, now is the time to paint one on your heart. God has something unimaginable in mind for you personally and the church collectively. A marvelous work and a wonder. In this church, what we know will always trump what we do not know. Missionary work is an identifying feature of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Always has it been, ever shall it be. Let us be awake and not be wary of well-doing, for we are laying the foundation of a great work, even preparing for the return of the Savior. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. I want to start today off by asking you all a simple question. How often would you say that you believe something just because someone said it? Asking this question actually reminds me of those times in like junior high where you would have that one kid who would tell everyone that someone wrote the word gullible up on the ceiling just to see who would look. If I'm being completely honest, I probably fell for it once or twice. But for real, try and think of something that you heard someone say on the internet or on TikTok or whatever it is. Did you just take their word for it and believe them and move on? Or did it prompt you to pump the brakes and actually think about it for a minute? For me, I actually heard someone say a couple days ago on TikTok that Utah has the highest average elevation out of any state. Initially, I was like, oh, cool, the more you know. And I almost just moved on. But then I did a mental double take and I realized that that didn't sound right to me. I knew that other mountain states like Colorado and California and even Washington all had several peaks that were higher than anything in Utah. While that doesn't necessarily determine average elevation all by itself, it certainly raised some red flags for me. So instead of just taking this guy's word for it, I decided to figure out for myself if it was true or not. And like with every great quest for answers, I decided to ask, you guessed it, Google. So I typed in my question to Google, hit the search button, and immediately it brought up over 85 million results. And right at the very top, in big, bold letters, it said the state with the highest average elevation was Colorado. Okay, I thought, that seems about right to me. I have no idea why the other guy thought it was Utah. I mean, that sounds legit because, well, it's Utah, but it's just not true. So I was just about to close the book on this one, but then I realized that just because one source on the internet said so doesn't necessarily mean that that's true either. I mean, the great thing about the internet is that anyone can say pretty much anything about any topic. And the bad thing about the internet is that anyone can say pretty much anything about any topic. So I thought it a good idea to do some more digging. Interestingly enough, I clicked on another link and I found some other guy claiming that it was Utah as well. What the heck is going on here? This is like a basic objective fact. There should be one state at the top of the list and that should be it. Why am I finding all these different people saying different things? That is now two sources that I have saying that Utah has the highest average elevation. Okay, so maybe out of chance, I just happened to run into the only two people in the world who actually claim that because that just didn't seem right to me. 
Turns out that's actually exactly what happened. I then found several other sources saying that it was Colorado, then Wyoming, and then Utah. And many of these sources had actual data for the average elevation in every state. So I could see with numbers which states were at the top of the list. I now had high confidence that Utah indeed wasn't the state with the highest average elevation. And I am biased towards Utah, so I was rooting for it, but in the end, it just wasn't meant to be. It was in this moment, though, that I had to thank that kid in junior high who tricked me into looking up at the ceiling because that experience taught me not to believe everything that I hear. Okay, so this is just a harmless example of something that happens to all of us from time to time. Sometimes we'll hear something and just believe it, and other times we'll actually stop and think about it and maybe even do some more research to find out if it's true or not. Either way, if we really want to get to the bottom of things, we've got to start thinking for ourselves. We may all find ourselves actually doing this from time to time, but how often do we get stooped into believing something that just isn't true? Probably more often than we would like to admit, right? And really, the only reason that this ever happens is because we aren't always willing to exert our mental energy and just think. Doing this takes effort. Most of the time, we all just put our mind on autopilot and go through the motions of everyday life without engaging in deep thought. That's just the easiest thing to do. Naturally, your brain just wants to follow the path of least resistance. And when you choose to arouse your faculties, as the Book of Mormon puts it, you're going to feel this wall of resistance pushing back on you. There are boundaries within your mind that draw a line between what's comfortable and familiar and what is unexplored territory. Navigating this unexplored territory requires you to leave the safety of familiarity and break through whatever walls are up to discover something new, like truth, for example. You have to be willing to push through that resistance and be uncomfortable to embrace truth. This is especially true when it comes to essential truths, like eternal truths. When you go through this process of thinking for yourself and breaking mental barriers to discover truth, you're being a seeker. The prophet Nephi was a great example of this. After hearing his dad tell him about his vision of the tree of life and teaching him about the coming of Christ, Nephi didn't just blindly take his word for it. He wanted to know for himself if what his dad was talking about was true and what it meant if it was true. He decided to actually think for himself. And no, Nephi wasn't being skeptical by doing this, but he also wasn't just going to be a naive believer either. He simply wanted his faith to be informed. He tells us that after having heard all the words of his father concerning the things which he saw in a vision, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, he, Nephi, was desirous that he might see and hear and know of these things by the power of the Holy Ghost, which, he says, is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek him. So how did he find out those things for himself exactly? Like, what did he do? Well, a few verses later, he tells us, For it came to pass that after I had desired to know the things that my father had seen, and believing that the Lord was able to make them known unto me, as I sat pondering in my heart, I was caught away in the Spirit of the Lord. And of course, the Spirit confirmed the truth to him of his father's words and continued to teach him even more truth. But let's go back real quick and see exactly what steps he took, just in case you guys missed that. First, the scripture says that he desired to know. He had a desire. If he didn't have a desire, then he would never have been able to know. Because God respects our agency, he will not give us anything that we don't want. He's not willing to violate our agency, even if it means giving us something that is good. 
That would disrupt the whole purpose of his plan. Okay, and secondly, Nephi tells us that he believed the Lord was able to give him an answer. Nephi believed. This was the second thing that he did. And third, Nephi tells us that he sat pondering in his heart. In other words, Nephi was thinking. He was thinking his own thoughts about what he had heard. Nephi was a seeker. What will differentiate a good missionary from a great missionary is how well they can help their investigators become seekers. When you can do this, you won't need to worry about what they might run into, and you can have the confidence that they will continue to discover truth for themselves throughout the rest of their lives. And that's really the goal, isn't it? You're not just there to give them a message and hope that they're going to accept it and that's just going to be the end of it. Their journey into the church only just begins once they are baptized. They've got a lot to figure out on their own after this important step, and you aren't always going to be around to help them do that. So you have to think of missionary work more as teaching people a skill rather than just giving them a gift. Becoming a seeker is definitely an acquired skill. There's a famous saying that I'm sure you're all familiar with, and it's really unknown who actually coined it, but it goes, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. You guys are there to teach people how to fish. Yes, you've got a fish to give them, but that'll only sustain them for so long. They need to learn how to go out and get their own fish, and to do that, they have got to become a seeker. In DNC 88, Jesus Christ admonishes us to be seekers of truth. He says, And as all have not faith, seek ye diligently, and teach one another words of wisdom. Yea, seek ye out of the best books words of wisdom. Seek learning, even by study, and also by faith. Stephen C. Harper, who is a professor at BYU, spoke at a devotional about what it means to be a seeker. In reference to this scripture that I just quoted, he said that the why of seeking is to grow our faith, since none of us can really have enough of it. So we seek to grow our faith. The what of seeking is wisdom and learning. The how is diligently, by study and by faith. And the where of seeking is out of the best books. So if you want your investigators to become seekers, if you want to help them learn how to discover truth for themselves, you're going to need to help them replicate what Nephi did, which is the how of seeking, while also understanding the why, the what, and the where. So let's just say that you've got an investigator and you've just taught them the first lesson. They've just heard this great message, but they need to know what to do about it. While the message of the restoration itself is life-changing, it won't have any effect on anyone unless they take action. Just like how Nephi didn't simply just take his father's word for it, you can't expect the people he are teaching to just take your word for it either. They've got to find out for themselves. So remember that the first crucial ingredient for Nephi was to have a desire. They need to have a desire to know that what you are sharing with them is true. For a lot of people, this might be a big hurdle, and for others, that desire might come just from hearing about the restoration. Either way, though, they need to understand how knowing these truths is going to bless them. In other words, they need to understand the why of seeking. To help them reach that understanding, it's really important to promise them blessings. As a missionary and as a representative of Jesus Christ himself, you can do that. You have been given that authority. So as you are teaching them, it's important to think about having a testimony of Jesus Christ and his restored gospel has blessed your own life. Maybe it's given you peace. Maybe it's helped you feel grounded in a world where traditional values are being uprooted. 
Maybe it's blessed you with clarity and answers to personal challenges or dilemmas. Really, the sky is the limit with this. And there might be struggles that they are going through that they have disclosed to you. If this is the case, then you can help them see how what you're going to share with them will help them with those struggles. You might have personal experiences with this that you can share with them. It's also a good idea to promise them blessings if they decide to act on certain invitations that you give them. For example, there's this one girl that we were teaching and we had had multiple lessons with her at this point, and she was having a hard time committing to read and pray about the Book of Mormon. She had also disclosed to us that she had a habit of drinking coffee every day that she wanted to break. In this instance, I felt this unmistakable prompting to promise her that if she read and prayed about the Book of Mormon, that not only would she get an answer about its truth, but that she would also no longer have any desire to drink coffee. Unfortunately, I never got to personally see if that happened or not because I was transferred out of that area not long after that, but I knew that the Lord was going to keep his end of that promise. I was so sure of it. I had felt so strongly that if she had acted on that invitation, she would receive that blessing. And you guys can also have that insurance that if they show their faith, the Lord will reveal himself to them in a way that they will recognize him. Okay, and recall that the next step for Nephi was to believe. He had to believe that God would answer him so that he could know for himself. He had to be willing to set aside any doubts that he may have had and choose to interpret his father's words with faith and hope. We're not told in the scriptures about whether any of Laman and Lemuel's doubts or criticisms ever really got to Nephi, but I'm sure that they were probably running around in his head as he was trying to find out the truth. So he had to make a deliberate decision to put them to rest and simply believe. It's no secret that there are people out there with an agenda to pull people away from the church. Elder Holland has said that sometimes people act as if an honest declaration of doubt is a higher manifestation of moral courage than is an honest declaration of faith. It is not. He also said that we should be as candid about our questions as we need to be, but that we shouldn't let them stand in the way of faith working its miracle. Many of us run into doubts because of what others have said about the religion that we embrace, but in order to believe, we need to make the decision to set aside unbelieving and unkind narratives told by others. If you want to embrace belief, the last thing that you should do is give any serious weight to things that are said in unbelief. Many of your investigators have probably already heard narratives about the church that are intended to create doubt and unbelief. They are bound to run into all sorts of information about the church that may or may not even be true, or even twisted in a way to make the good look bad. Regardless of what it is that they have heard, they have to be willing to let go of narratives or interpretations that are unbelieving or cynical and come to their own conclusions through a lens of faith. Elder Uchtdorf has said, Skepticism is easy. Anybody can do it. It is the faithful life that requires moral strength, dedication, and courage. And this leads us to the last step that Nephi took, which was to ponder in his heart. This phrase that he uses simply implies that he was thinking and having a conversation with God. I imagine that he was probably thinking about Lehi's words along with what he had read in the scriptures. God can speak to us in many ways, but one of the greatest catalysts for receiving revelation is the scriptures. Elder Robert D. Hillis has said that when we want to speak to God, we pray. And when we want him to speak to us, we search the scriptures. This brings us to the where of seeking, which is out of the best books. Obviously, the scriptures and the words of modern prophets fall under this category, but if we want to look at this in a broader sense, 
We could include any book that has been written with the intent to strengthen faith in Jesus Christ. This same thing would apply to any other type of knowledge that we would want to acquire as well. If we wanted to know something about a particular thing or subject or person, we would look to the best sources that teach us about that thing or subject or person. Like if we really wanted to know who George Washington was, we'd want to look to those who knew him best. So much has been written about him by those closest to him, and we have thousands of first-hand accounts of things that he said or did. We also have thousands of pages of his own personal journal. So if we really wanted to learn about who he was, those are the sources that we would want to look at. There is also a lot that has been written or said about him by people who never really knew him, and their intent was to cast his character in a bad light. Now, it wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense to look at these sources if we really wanted to get to the bottom of who he was. In Stephen C. Harbour's BYU devotional, which I mentioned earlier, he says that, quote, Seekers learn to be source critics. Source criticism is careful thinking about sources of knowledge. So I think that when the Lord tells us to seek words of wisdom from the best books, he is telling us to take a careful look at the source itself. Just like how we shouldn't just believe something just because someone said it, we have to learn to do our research around where our sources of knowledge are coming from and if they accurately tell the truth. In the same way, if we want to know who Jesus Christ really was, we have to look to those who knew him best. If we want to know something about his gospel, then we need to look to him and those who teach his gospel. If your investigators want to know more about what we believe, then they've got to look to those who actually do believe. They aren't going to find accurate information if they're asking non-members or those who are antagonistic against the church what we believe. So if you guys can help your investigators learn how to be a true seeker, then you will be setting them up for success in the future. When things come along that will shake their faith, they'll remember that they don't have to believe everything everyone says, and they can look to proper sources of knowledge for answers and assurance. They can have the confidence in their continuing quest for truth that they will be able to find the truth because they have learned to think for themselves. Thank you all for joining me on this episode. Remember, as always, that you guys are awesome and that you've got this. I'll catch you next time. Peace.